Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Thanks for being here. Sam Shane on Weekend Live. It's uh, 5.06, and uh, we've got, what, hot day. I mean, 100-plus degrees, and another one tomorrow. And then they say it's going to start cooling down this week, which is nice. Uh, Weekend Live, we are here from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock every Saturday evening, and we take a look back at some of the big stories of the week and look forward to what's coming up. Uh, It was a big week for news once again. Uh, We had Aretha Franklin passing away. We're going to hear from her in an interview that she did back around 2010, and it's a great interview, talks about a lot of facets of her life, not just music, but how she viewed the city of Detroit where she lived, and we'll get into more on that in depth. We learned this past week that the lawmakers at the state capitol are considering yet another new tax on all of us. This one would be a water tax, and we're going to get into many of the specifics in this proposal. So they're floating another water tax at the state capitol right now. And this week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo who many had thought would be maybe running for president in 2020, may have dashed those hopes with one simple line. So we'll hear what he had to say about America and why many think that this may be the undoing for his hopes for running for president because he has been backpedaling all week long. So a lot to get to. Uh, Let's begin with Donald Trump, the president went on a social media tweet storm overnight. President Trump issued a tweet storm following the removal of Alex Jones and his InfoWars show from most of the major social media platforms earlier this month. Now, Alex Jones, we know, is very controversial, very conservative. Some say that he's a little crazy, that he is irresponsible and has many theories that have proven to be not true that he espouses on his program. But there were social media platforms that decided to pull him down. And today, President Trump, and I'm going to direct quote here on his tweet, said, Social media is totally discriminating against Republican-slash-conservative voices. Speaking loudly and clearly for the Trump administration, we won't let that happen, he wrote. Now, the president didn't indicate exactly what steps that the administration might take. But he also wrote, and there were about three tweets here, so he also wrote, too many voices are being destroyed, some good and some bad, and that cannot be allowed to happen. Censorship, he wrote, is a very dangerous thing and absolutely impossible to police. He goes on to write, if you are weeding out fake news, there is nothing so fake as CNN and MSNBC, and yet I do not ask that their sick behavior be removed. So that was the tweet storm that President Trump issued early this morning. I think it was around 4 o'clock in the morning. And that's the latest on that. Of course, earlier this week, President Trump suspended, revoked the security clearance for former CIA Chief John Brennan. That went away. And he indicated, President Trump did, that there may be more security clearances that will be suspended in the days and weeks to come. He's getting tough. And he's ready to pull those clearances. And he wants those who have been investigating him and his campaign and the Russia collusion allegations, he wants those who have been caught up in that investigation to be investigated. And we might dig deeper into that because there is a leading senator who is now calling for a special counsel on that. And I hope to get to those audio clips a little bit later on in this program. In the meantime, also making news, 
It has to do with the wildfires burning in California, which have devastated so many of our communities and the people who live there. And the Secretary of Interior from the White House was in California and spent some time. He has been on the phone with Governor Brown and other top officials in California, speaking to wildlife and game officials, and trying to get a handle on what exactly happened here. And he spoke with reporters this week, and so that's where we're going to begin with the audio clips tonight. Because he essentially said, and his name uh, is, Ron, is Ryan Zinke, I should say. He's the Interior Secretary for the United States of America. And his whole point of view is, we have to do something here to stop these fires. We can manage this. This can be done, and we need to get our heads together here. And it's a complicated scenario. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have fires that are burning with a ferocity and an intensity that we have never seen before. And there is a reason for that. And we're going to get into his theory right now. So he was making his way to a meeting right near the White House earlier this week. And there were reporters waiting for him. And they peppered Zinke with questions. And, and most of the questions from the media focused on climate change. Is it climate change? Is climate change causing those ferocious wildfires in California? Well, here's what Zinke's response is, and it's simply, he's, simply put, he says, it's just, it's not that simple. Temperatures are rising, the season's getting longer, but we have to look at managing the forest. When you talk to the firefighters out there, when you talk to Cal Fire, they'll tell you the same thing. There's too much dead and dying timber. The density of trees is historic. You have lack of public access. So we've closed a lot of roads, we've let roads over, overgrown, so that even when a, when a lightning strike or man-made a fire occurs, we can't get at it. You know, we've been saying that here for, for some time, ever since these fires really broke out, on a number of programs that I've been hosting, we've talked extensively about this. Blaming these fires just on climate change, that, that's just, it's way too simplistic. It's in fact, it, it could be even classified as intellectually lazy. There are a lot of reasons out here that we need to take a look at, including, of course, forest management. When Governor Brown held his news conference early on, I don't know if you remember this, it was about a week or two ago, but when many of these fires were really getting going, he initially neglected to even mention or discuss forest management and the overgrown forest. They become like a powder keg. They're filled with all this dry underbrush. We all know this is taking place. He went so far as to say that these ferocious wildfires were the new norm, that we better just get used to this stuff, that there's no turning back now. And he was making reference, of course, to climate change and heat. Well, Interior Secretary Zinke sees it differently. He says that the idea that these fires are the new norm, he says that's just nonsense. These environmental radical groups, I mean, every, no one loves public land more than I do, and everyone wants a healthy forest. But to watch this year after year, these catastrophic forest fires burn, this isn't the new norm. You know, it can be managed. But some people would like to, you know, they don't have a problem with watching habitat burn down, and yet the only endangered species happens to be a logger. So we need to go back to best science, best practices, greatest good, longest term. We need to sit down and talk, is what Zinke is essentially saying. It's time for all the parties to get together at a round table and discuss what is it that's going on. How much is the climate a factor? How much is forest management a factor? And how is it that we all get together? He says that he and Governor Brown are getting along just fine. They have a good relationship. They talk. Zinke says that 
this is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democrat issue. It is an American problem, and he says we have to work together to solve this. America deserves to recreate and not evacuate. And the health of our forests is my job as, as a steward of interior, is I want to make sure we have healthy forests. So what does that mean we have to do? We have to clear out the dead and dying timber, do prescribed burns on the shoulder of the season rather than, rather than have these catastrophic fires. We have to make sure we use best science. We have to make sure we have open access for, so the public can enjoy the lands and also use those roads for fire breaks. And the urban rural interface, we got to aggressively manage and remove that fuel where where the, it, it can be a problem. What do you think about what he said? Ryan Zinke, the Interior Secretary of the United States of America. What he just said this past week about how we need to manage our forests and stop these wildfires. Can it be done? Or are we doomed? Is, is this the new norm? Is Governor Brown right? We better just get just sit back and Get ready to take it, because here it comes. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Those are the phone numbers. Give us a call, and you can weigh in. We have to take a break on the other side. Much more on this and the new tax being considered at the Capitol on our water. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. Back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. So the Secretary of Interior, Ryan Zinke, says we can get this done together. We can figure this out, and we need to all meet at a roundtable because we've got to stop the ferocious wildfires that overtook so much of California, and frankly, a lot of states have been through a really tough fire season this year. Let's go to Patrick from Granite Bay. He joins us on the phone. It's a 521 on a Saturday evening. Hi, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing great, Sam. Great show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I remember when they were clearing everything up and everything out. Yeah, that was how many years ago? Well, I, I'm 56 years old, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I can remember, you know, when they were doing it up where we used to hunt up in Verdite, California side back in the old days, you know, when you didn't have to, you know, get a lottery for a zone. And right. You're dead on. We They had cutouts. They had lookouts, which, again, we don't put money in that. So there are a lot that volunteer to look for fires, to spot. Mm-hmm. And if you go in, you get out the manzanita. Sam, that's what is sucking all of the water away from the trees. And when the trees have no water, in comes the bark beetle. Mm-hmm. Listening to your show last night, I heard a number, I believe 129 million trees that need to be. Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, Patrick, I heard that number somewhere too, and I can't place it off the top. I, I think it was maybe Ted Gaines maybe said that. Yeah, I did. It was the center Ted Gaines who, yeah. who I've, I've known for a long, long time. And you know, this is, this is what I don't understand is that I don't know how, you know, the history of California, some haven't been here long enough, or they just don't spend the time to go back to 76, 77. We had a drought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in less than two years, they built the Noon Malonis Reservoir. Right. Didn't take long. the last <laughs> one built in this state. Well. And then here, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I look, I, 
I know where you're going with this, and you know, you and, and I know that you listen to the program, which, by the way, I very much appreciate. But we spent a lot of time talking about the lack of of water storage in in California, have, that, which means we're not going to get this done because they don't even want to acknowledge Moonbeam, right? Those of us that are old enough, Moonbeam is a Moonbeam. That that would All be for, for those of us who are not old enough. That, that's our governor. <laughs> yes, Moonbeam. <laughs> right. Good old Moonbeam. Go back to little Ronstadt. He can go, mm-hmm. you know, maybe smoke some paraquat and have a good time. But look at the money sound that we've wasted. Well, here's the thing. But but okay, okay, Patrick. Right? Um, I, I'm not going to absolve Governor Brown on this. But look at there are other lawmakers in the Capitol who are also complicit in this because you know the voters have gone to the polls recently and have allocated bond money for a new reservoir, in particular the Sites Reservoirs, which everybody's talking about, and mm-hmm. it still isn't getting done. So it it you know th- th- this is across the board. These are lawmakers as a group who have been failing. I, I And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, again, we have our local congressman up here that can't even get 20 feet on. And some people don't know this. Again, how many years ago? Just, what, 16, 17, we had, what, a historical amount of rain and snow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I believe a caller last night definitely was misinformed. We have lack of storage. Yeah, I, I I remember that call, and I, I was and a I little think, bit upset because yeah. that dam could go up two hundred more feet, right. which would be almost ten million acre feet. Now the gentleman needs to realize Folsom Lake is around under a million acre. The sites will be one point eight. Mm-hmm. That's water that now we don't have. Because how much water salmon is being used to put out these fires? Well, I know, and that's the whole issue. It all ties in together. I mean, the water and fire issue are not separate. I mean, they do; they are linked in a lot of ways, and there's a relationship here that I think that there needs to be a, an overall look, a bigger plan on how we control our fires, how we control our forests, how we control our water. And it seems as though it's been neglected for far too long, many decades, Patrick. I think you're right on. I think you've hit the nail on the head, no question. Great show. Uh, thank I'm you. Let you go. I don't want to take any more time. No, great show. you're great. You're great, Glenn. Thanks for calling in, Patrick. Always enjoy your call. Uh, David from Carmichael uh, gives us a call on a Hi. Saturday evening. Hi, David. How are you? I'm I'm having a magical day. How are you? I'm doing just fine. What's on your mind? Well, um, I, I remember this uh, idea for the the wildflowers uh, wildflowers that you know are all over our state, and uh-huh. it was um, uh, it's actually from NASA. They made these um, large I don't know if they're test sites or whatnot, but it, 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 I guess it was supposed to be something that just shoots out a lot of water. Um, I didn't know if they use it to test new types of rockets or things like that, but, huh. you know, the machine's a, the size of a small building, um, and they probably can scale it smaller, but as long as there's a rating, uh, like a, a water source nearby, uh-huh. um, basically what it does, it jets out all this water in the form of vapor and steam. And it rises up like a cloud, and basically it just rains down on a large area. I'll be darned. Like that sounds really very, cool. very futuristic, almost like the Jetsons, you know. Oh, right. Well, it, you know, if you look, at, you can look on YouTube for this machine. It's like a like NASA makes rain or something like that. Oh, okay. That. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but right. you see, like this guy talk about it, and you know, it's really loud. And within a few minutes, everything just rains. And actually, it mm. would be pretty possible to use a machine like that. And I'm pretty sure they can scale it down a little bit or, or, or mobilize it and okay. then just put it in an area. And, I, I mean, you know, depending on where the winds are and stuff, right. you can literally just, instead okay. of doing plane drops, you would do clouds. All right, David. Well, uh, maybe maybe a few of the listeners can uh, jump on Google right now and check out the NASA cloud machine. But uh, thank you very much. Appreciate the call, David, uh, for calling in here on a Saturday evening with the cloud machine. I've not heard that. That's a new one on me. 526 is the time.
Um, so they want, speaking of water, not only do we have a shortage of it, but now they want to tax it. Yep, it's back up. You know, the proposal was floated in June, and they kicked that one away for political reasons. I'll get into that in a second. But it's back. It's reared its ugly head in the state capitol. Governor Jerry Brown and state lawmakers with a new effort to pass a new tax to attack what they are calling unsafe drinking water in California. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Let's go to Pete from Sacramento. He's on the line right now. Hi, Pete. How are you on a Saturday evening? Doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think that our governor is definitely intellectually lazy on this issue about the wildfires. Um, There's no science that really links global warming between uh, global warming and the dynamics of how a wildfire, well, the dynamics of a wildfire, period. Mm -hmm. So it's real basic science where you can say, okay, you have a big fuel load. So that is definitely going to affect how the fire behaves and the heat of the fire and how fast it goes because there's so much fuel. We know that. Right. Um, Right. And see, that's 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 what Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke said this past week. You can't just say it's global warming. There needs to no, be a discussion about, first of all, what is global warming? Let's get a good, clear definition, because frankly, the scientists in this country can't even come together on that. There's a disagreement within the science community, and people fall on both sides of the aisle on this one. And whether or not it's man-made, I mean, is global warming man-made or is it a natural occurrence? I mean, in 1974, Time magazine had a cover, right on the cover of their magazine, it was talking about the impending ice age. That was in 1974. So we've gone from 74 of an ice age to 2018. Uh, we're, we're, we're warming up. We're at global warming. Yeah, and it, well, well, they're not they're not reporting the areas that are getting colder. I don't have specific facts, but there's areas on the on the planet that are also getting colder as well, mm-hmm. and they're not reporting that. So it's a dynamic. Yes, and and, um, and what Zinke is saying is okay. Let's have that discussion, and then let's also yeah. have the discussion of managing the forest, and let's come together. And let's have, make it all one big discussion. So we stop these uh, wildfires from spreading so fast. Yeah, I think him and uh, 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 our, our governor should sit down at the table. I don't think um, our governor has a whole lot of, he doesn't have a leg to stand on as far as if you really start throwing out facts as to how are we going to manage this issue mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. systematically and he can't the governor can't just say oh this is the new norm you, you made a good point it's in it's late it's being lazy intelligently right no i mean they, they have changed the way the forests have been managed and obviously there's undergrowth and these br- dry brush and they need to go in and selectively do logging and there are lots of steps that they can take pete i'm running up against a hard break but i really appreciate your call you make some great points Thanks for calling in. The phone number, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. On the other side of the break, more on the idea to tax your water in California. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. It's terrific you're with us. Thanks for being here on Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane here on KFBK, 1530 AM, 93.1 FM. Phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. You can also listen to us on kfbk.com. And if you want to go back and listen to the show, we have the podcast. We'll have that posted after the show. You head to the podcast tab and click on uh, Weekend Live on kfbk.com. So have you ever heard of Nutria? It's an animal. It's like a big old rat. It's a 20-pound rodent. And get this, there is concern that Nutria 
the big old rodent might be invading and taking over the Delta. We'll tell you about that and the efforts that are underway now to see how pervasive the problem is. So let's pick up where we left off. Grab your wallet. They're coming after it at the Capitol. Once again, this one is over water. A tax on water. The proposed tax on water bills would be voluntary, increasing the chances of success among skittish lawmakers during this election year. Well, we'll tell you how it works in terms of being voluntary because it's there's a little trick to it that you might get caught up or tripped up on. But the reason they say that they need a new water tax is because they say that there is unsafe drinking water in California, and that raises a whole host of issues. How is it in this day and age that we have unsafe drinking water in California? Really? I mean, like Flint, Michigan? How bad is it? Where is it unsafe? See, not too many details are being issued. And that's of concern. Because when your government says to you, you know, some of the drinking water in your state's unsafe, all right, where? Is it at my house? Why? I thought that that's what we gave you tax money for, to make sure that our roads are safe, our drinking water is safe, the garbage gets picked up, there's a police force out there for us. So there was a plan in June for a mandatory tax on water bills. That one went away because, of course, politically it was a little bit skittish. So now there are a new pair of bills, two bills, that would apply a voluntary levy on ratepayers to fund safe drinking water projects, which I assumed was already in place. I was hoping that the drinking water in our state is safe, but apparently it's not. And that is a, I think that's an even bigger concern than raising taxes, frankly. Also, they would raise a mandatory tax on dairies and fertilizer manufacturers. So there is the mandatory tax component. And guess what happens when businesses get taxed? They pass it on to the customers. So we all pay, one way or the other. Supporters say that the bills will generate about $100 million a year. And for each of us, it would cost us about a buck a year. The state has reported that more than a million residents face potential exposure to unsafe water. One million. Largely in low-income communities. But they didn't get specific as to, you know, where. Now, state lawmakers, here's the deal over at the Capitol. They do not want to talk about this. Go figure. They are hesitant, believe it or not, to support any new tax increase. Because remember how Republicans recalled Senator Josh Newman in June? Yep, he's the Fullerton Democrat, and he was linked to that $52 billion gas tax to fund road repairs, or so they say. The gas tax, by the way, will be on the ballot for you in November. And you can overturn that. And right now the polling indicates that it will go down. Or at least that's where it's headed. We will see. But they rammed the gas tax down our throat. 12 cents a gallon more than what we're already paying, by the way. You are paying a hefty gas tax already when you go to fill up the car or the SUV. So here's the trick on the volunteer part. Customers will have to opt out of the fee. Okay? So... When you file your tax returns, you're going to have to physically opt out. So it's not really voluntary. It's not like you're volunteering to pay the tax. What you're saying is, take me off the list. And that is, from a technical standpoint, maybe a little bit different definition of voluntary as far as I'm concerned. 
Critics say that that's unfairly taxing uninformed ratepayers. So, to wrap this up, I just thought you might like to hear what the leadership at the Capitol has to say. Not Governor Brown, but the leaders of the two houses. Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon's office said that they're reviewing the bills and they do not have a position. And a spokesperson for Senate President Pro Tem, Tony Atkins, had no comment. Phone number here is 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. What do you think about the new tax on water? Should they be taxing us on water? And should they be taxing us on water that they say is unsafe to drink? And if water is unsafe to drink in California, why is that? How did that happen? How did they let that happen? Isn't, it that, isn't that their job to make sure that our water is safe? Who's failing here? Okay, next story is about the big old 20-pound rodent, the rat. It's called Nutria. California's nutria infestation. San Francisco Gate, SF Gate, is reporting this. 20-pound rodents, they believe, wildlife officials, are targeting about 2 million acres in the Delta. Nutria is a destructive rat-like mammal. It's currently burrowing into Central California's wetlands. Now, in the spring, Department of Fish and Wildlife began to warn the public about the dangers of this animal. It devastates the agriculture infrastructure. It burrows into levees and roadbeds and canal beds. And in the past few months, about 200 nutria have been exterminated. Well, now wildlife officials are getting ready for an intensive survey of the Sacramento-San Joaquin River Delta. Officials say they have no idea what the actual numbers of nutria will look like, but they're concerned, so they have launched this program to find out how many are out there. So they're still in the process of getting permission from a lot of farmers and landowners because it's private property. A lot of the Delta is private property, so they've got to get permission to do that. How big? Listen to the size of these things. Nutria typically two and a half feet long, 20 pounds, and they have the ability to produce up to 200 offspring a year. When they say they multiply like rabbits, I think we need to change that to they multiply like nutria. So they sound like some of these big rats that are running around under Manhattan. (laughs) Is that what the sound? That's what they sound like, huh? So Luis, our producer, just found a little bit of a natural sound clip from nutria. So if you hear that sound near your house and you've got one nearby, just warning you. Uh, let's. Uh, I want to get a couple of audio clips in here quickly before we go to the break on Nutria. Uh, this is from the Fish and Wildlife officials, why they are so concerned. This is Greg Gerstenberg of the California Fish and Wildlife. The problem with having Nutria is their damage that they will do to agriculture, to wetland habitat and the restoration of those, and also to our levee systems and water conveyance, uh, the water into and out of this valley. So they're highly destructive. I mean, they could go in and they can just devastate the levee system in the Delta if these things multiply the way that they do. So they got to get a handle on them. So uh, next clip is, here's how they actually go out and they find them. We're trying to address this by delineating where they're present and having crews out doing surveys, trying to find their, their signs of what they, what they leave behind. Okay, and finally, I just want to, Get to this before we go to the break. 
um, they're they're going to try to find them, and then when they find these clusters, and they're going to go in and they're going to eradicate them, get rid of them. And so here is how they actually get rid of them. And then when we find them, to trap them and to eradicate the the ones that are found. There is your Nutria update on Weekend Live on this Saturday evening. So now you are informed of what's going on in the Delta in Northern and Central California. We have to take a quick break. This past week, we lost a legend. Aretha Franklin passed away. She did a terrific interview about uh, eight years ago, and we're going to play clips from that, and uh, maybe we'll dial up a little bit of her music. Maybe I'll get Luis on that over the break. He's nodding. He's, he's a very much on board with this one. I'm Sam Shane. It's 545. This is Weekend Live. 916-921-1530. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. Boy, did she ever have it. My goodness. What a talent. I mean, the likes that we see maybe in a generation. Aretha Franklin passed away this past week. 76 years old. Pancreatic cancer took her. She was in her home in Detroit when she died. Uh, We're going to hear in just a moment uh, a great interview with her that was, I think, recorded in 2010 by Time Magazine. And covered a number of topics. We're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, uh, time now is 5.50. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK Weekend Live. Thanks for joining us. 916-921-1530. That's the phone number. And with that, we go to the phones. Let's go to Fred in Fremont. He joins us on this Saturday evening. Hi, Fred. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Sam? I'm doing well. What's on your mind, sir? Well, Sam, I'd just like to thank you for your show. I really appreciate you being on the radio. Thank you. I I like your voice. I like your attitude. I like everything about this show. Are you on a regular basis with this company, or are you just filling in? Well, a little bit of both. So uh, we are here. I have my own show on Saturday evenings from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Every Saturday, it's called Weekend Live, and that's what you're listening to right now. And then I do some fill-in work um, when Pat Walsh isn't here from 7 to 10 during the weeks, or uh, John McGinnis from time to time for his 3 o'clock show. So I'll do some fill-in as well. Okay, okay. Because I've heard you before. I, I thought maybe it was the Pat Walsh show that I heard you on, but yeah. I, I really appreciate it. You, you, you bring a, a nice, even, uh, how do you say, uh, level-headed uh, consciousness <laughs> to the radio. Well, thank you. I, I that That's a great compliment. I, I, I That is what I strive to do. So thank you, Fred. Yeah, so I have a question for you. Mm. Why do you think there's so many more fires today in California than there were 30, 40 years ago. I think it's a combination of the two things, and I think that the Secretary of Interior is on to something. I think, it, look, there, there, there is, is no doubt that temperatures in certain parts of the globe have been going up, and we need to analyze that. What's causing that, I don't pretend to even know, okay? I, I'm not that smart. I read a lot of different people with a lot of different theories on that. I think we have to talk about that. I think it's a reality. But I also think that there's a forest management issue here. You cannot allow these forests to become so thick and, and tinderboxes that they are. And expect that they're not going to you 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 throw a match out there and it's just like a it's a powder keg ready to go. I, I agree a hundred percent on that, and and I don't hear the, the the voices talking about the management of the forestry and stuff like that has changed in forty years. You know, Fred. And though it, I I but I said this last time from private yes private private uh, uh, ownership 
and to government ownership mm-hmm. and the management styles and what they're they're doing it today as, as they did 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I look. I I said last night I was in for on Pat Walsh's show actually, and I, I mentioned this. It usually takes, it seems to me, a, a rather very big event in order for issues like this to be addressed with in in a less partisan way. Nine Eleven had a way of bringing our country together. I think these catastrophic fires, and they have been absolutely devastating for the people of California, especially in Northern California, will finally get people to sit down at the table and have an, a real frank, honest discussion about this. That, that, you could be right on that, but I don't think it's going to happen because it's built up an infrastructure of government that relies on these fires to exist, like CAL FIRE and all the other agencies within California that, that make money putting out the fires. You Look, um, I, I, Fred, I don't think that we can uh, disregard what you just said. I, that, that might, there might be an economic component to this. Where there, you know, it's like the industrial complex that uh, Dwight Eisenhower talked about in the 1950s. That we all of a sudden have built up this this economic structure whereby there are so many people who depend, their lives depend on fighting fires, that it is it, it benefits them economically as devastating as they are to the economy. I mean, at the end of the day, that is very short sighted because you think of the loss of life, the loss of property, and the cost alone of just trying to put the water on the fire. It's a it's a lost leader. You can't win that. that, that that's right. Hey, hey, thank thank you, Sam, for taking my call. Yes, Frank. This is uh, Fred from Fremont, and I'm out. Okay, Fred. Thanks, man. Be good. Let's go to Kevin from Sacramento. He's in. It's uh, five fifty four. Hi, hey, Kevin. Sam. How you doing, buddy? I'm well. How are you? <clears throat> Love you filling in for Pat this thank you. week, man. You're the best guy. Thank you. But uh, uh, with this this stupid rat thing, yes. Uh, When's Peter going to come in and say, "Oh, you guys, you can't kill those things"? Yeah, I don't. Well, Peter hasn't weighed in yet. I that I know that I know of, Kevin. I, I don't know nobody yet. Yeah, I I don't know, Kevin. You mean uh, we? Another thing, real quick, I want to say about I couldn't get in the other night. Yeah. On the DMV. Yes. Remember about eight months ago when the uh, they were given uh, driver's license to truck drivers? Yeah. You remember that? I uh, kind of do. But what what thousand to five thousand dollars a piece? Oh no! You know what, uh, Kevin? I don't know this story at all. You got to check it out. All right, let me. I think that's why they don't want to be investigated. Okay, all right, Kevin. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I'll have to look into that. I had not heard that they were giving out those type of uh, licenses, but apparently they are. Uh, let's see. We are out at uh, what? What we got about uh, another minute or so before we? Okay, two minutes. Uh, I'll tell you what, let, I'll just, I'll set up Aretha Franklin and then we'll roll out some of the sound bites from her, uh, on the other side. Uh, let's get to, I guess Tony is calling in right now. Maybe we can squeeze him in real quickly. We'll squeeze in this phone call and then we'll, uh, get to Aretha Franklin. Tony, hi, how are you? What's, what are, what's on your mind? Okay. I was a lady called about a rain cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what that's about is, um, the rain cloud she's talking about is called Project Heart. Oh. It's in Alaska. Okay. Uh, it worked two times. Um, I listened to Coast to Coast and Art Bell Show for like 30 years. Yeah, I, I bet they and, cover this. Yep. And two times they prayed for rain. Uh-huh. And two times you got 30 million viewers all thinking on concentrating about praying for rain. Oh. And it worked two times. And and then Art Bell, the third time, he, he just quit doing it. He, got, he was scared of something. 
Oh. But George Norrie is in charge of it right the show right now and yes. if somebody can get into I know it'll work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard the show. Yeah, it's interesting. Yes, I have yeah, heard it. Oh, you, know, you, you know about it then, huh? Yeah, 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 I do, Tony. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate the phone call. Coast to coast. Okay, uh, Aretha Franklin, we are definitely getting to on the other side of the break. We got a little bit diverted here, but we'll roll out uh, those audio clips from that interview with her uh, because, I mean, just what a remarkable talent. I mean, you know that she had 20 number one hits, 20 number ones on the R&B. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, she had dozens and dozens and dozens of hits. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. 916-921-1530. We're back on the other side. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. 606 is the time. Thanks for joining us here on Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK 93.1 FM, 1530 AM, and the phone number is 916-921-1530, One more hour to go. We look back on this show every Saturday evening from 5 to 7 o'clock on the big events of the previous week and the big story, of course, this week, one of them, and it was a, it was a monster of a story, uh, the passing of Aretha Franklin who died at the age of 76 years old from pancreatic cancer. She lived in Detroit, and she died in her home there. And so we have a number of audio clips that we're going to go through pretty quickly here. This was a really, I thought, interesting interview. Uh, it was done about eight years ago by Time Magazine, and it really gives you kind of an idea of different aspects of her life, not just music. So with that, let's uh, start out with our first audio clip. The question from the reporter was this, what are your favorite songs? I have a lot of favorites. I don't have any one favorite. I have a lot of favorites. Ness and Dorma, of course, Respect. Uh, a lot of Curtis Mayfield's things from Sparkle are some of my favorites. She was an enormous talent. And, you know, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, she had 20 number one hits. I mean, think about that. Think about how many one-trick ponies in your lifetime these uh, here today gone tomorrow bands or, or artists, they come and they go. And, you know, I mentioned this earlier this week when I was filling in for Pat Walsh, and we spent a lot of time on this story. You know, the, 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 real, uh, the real gauge of greatness in music is longevity. And she had that. You know, you look at the Billy Joels and the Elton Johns, and, you know, we can go right on the Frank Sinatras. We go right on down the line. And she was one of those. She was just an enormous figure in the music industry. But you know what? She was afraid to fly. And I found that kind of interesting. The last time she flew in an airplane it was 1982. And I'll, I'll tell you what happened in the flight that, that caused her to stop flying in a moment. But the question was, she was asked, how that may have hindered not flying, how that may have hindered her career. It has not hindered my career at all. Miss Franklin can get around. I have been everywhere, believe me, on this bus, everywhere except across the ocean. It's afforded my seeing the United States. When I was flying, I never saw the United States and what it really looked like. And I got the sense listening to that interview that she actually enjoyed that part of her life, being on the road, seeing America, seeing Americans and connecting that she was not able to do because when she was flying because she was in the air. So she was flying back from Atlanta to Detroit, 
on a trip in 1982, and they hit turbulence. And it was she said she was on a twin engine, and it was bouncing all over the place to the point where she said, if we land safely in Detroit, that's it, I'm done. And that was it. She got off that plane and no more. Next question from the reporter from Time Magazine, and this was in a 2010 interview. What was her most memorable collaboration and why? I think George Benson. George Benson, I think, was one of the best duos, just, just because we were so beautifully musically matched. We were doing Solid Gold, you know how long ago that was. And he was giving me these eyes, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't falling for it. <laughs> I wasn't falling for it. I just stuck to the script when we did some really, really good singing. What a warm personality. He was giving me the eyes. I love that bite. Solid gold. Remember that? Oh, my goodness. There were some wardrobes on that, that bad boy, huh? Remember those outfits? Goodness gracious. Okay, she lived in Detroit. She was very close to Detroit. It was a very big part of her life, and, and it meant a lot to her. And she was asked during this interview what she thought it would take to bring residents back to Detroit. Create more jobs to uh, bring developers back to the city who will invest in the city, but particularly the jobs, because a lot of people have left Detroit, uh, going south and various other places seeking employment. They just can't find it here. She had an astute awareness and a depth to her that was really very interesting. She was a person, I read a quote this past week that said, who, who knew her very well, said she's two phone calls away from any president in the United States. With t- within two phone calls, she is talking to any president, past or current. That's how influential she was. And finally, what does R-E-S-P-E-C-T, what does respect mean to you? You want to give people dignity and respect, and you want to receive it. You have to receive it. Short, sweet, to the point. You give it, and you want to receive it. Uh, Let's go to the phones here. 6-11 is the time on Weekend Live. Americo from Galt calls in with a thought about Aretha Franklin. And hi, how, how, how are you? Hey, we doing good. We doing good. Good evening, everybody. Um, I want to follow up on the about Aretha Franklin, especially about Detroit. Yeah, the Supreme Court justice had passed four to three against the uh, for the right to work state. That means you don't have to go union. Mm-hmm. Now, Detroit was the third largest city in America at one time, the number one union city mm-hmm. where manufacturing, the automotive industrial area was happening. Now. What I see happening is I'm union. I'm very proud to be union. I'm AFSCME 3299. We're part of UC Davis Medical Center, the hospital. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to make us go non-union. They're trying to take away our pension Mm -hmm. and give us a little bit more pay and get rid of the pension. And if people start dropping out of the union, what happened to Detroit is going to happen to California yeah. because there's so many social programs in California, the tax base is going to move out. Because if it wasn't for my union negotiating my wages, right, being able to negotiate my benefits for my family, 
I wouldn't be living here. I could not afford it. Well, you're not alone, America. And uh, look, I mean, there, there's no question in terms of a trend in the United States of America when you look at what Detroit was in its heyday in the 50s and 60s and, and, and part, early part of the 70s before we really saw the transformation. Uh, the, 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 the power uh, and the influence of unions has just diminished over time. And, it's, and it continues. There was a ruling uh, within the past couple of months from this current United States Supreme Court with regards to public sector unions and that they can't force people to join the public sector unions. So it's, it is a trend. There is no question about it. And unions do serve a purpose. Um, but like everything else, uh, the free market system also comes into play in terms of how much does everything cost and supply and demand. And those are some very basic, simple principles that come into play as well. Yes, you're absolutely right when it comes to that. But let me give you a simple fact. UC Davis is taxpayer-based. Mm-hmm. Everything that is in that hospital is by taxpayer-based. It has nothing else but tax power, uh, taxpayers. Are the well, ones that but, fund they, that but they have another component there for revenue. It's not just taxpayers. I mean, there are people who are you know, obviously going there to get uh, medical care. And so there's obviously money coming in from their insurance companies, and they're probably even paying a lot of money in this day and age. They're probably paying a lot of money out of their pocket. Yes, you are right in that aspect. That is, the insurance company is assisting in that. But when it comes to the main worker, the middle class worker is being felt short. They are trying to take that away from us as families. Yeah, because America, a union is protecting us. Yeah, and, look, I, I look, I, I, I will not. I think you're right on when you talk about how middle class workers in America are getting squeezed. There is no question about that. Um, now, what role the union plays in that, and what other components economically are factoring in here? Those, those are those could be you. You could delineate between those. Those could be two separate discussions. But I, I totally agree with you on on this fact. And, and you, I just want to say one more last thing. I listened to Michael Savage, mm-hmm. and Michael Savage brought this up. Very intelligent man, very smart. Michael yes, he Savage. is. Yes, he is. Number one, he just won the prize for writing award, and all his books have been number one bestsellers, New York Times bestseller list. So he also brought that up where if a man and a woman are together in a family, trying to raise a family like this in California, which is the highest tax state, and there goes non-union, your wages will go lower. It's going to affect not only just the husband and wife, but the children. Right. It all boils down to you being able to retire, you being able to take care of your children, raise them in a nice, affluent community, mm-hmm. try to do good for yourself. And that's the only way that we can survive here. Because if it wasn't for that, I, I wouldn't be here. America, I uh, look, here. I, the, the, the cost of living is is, I think, the number one issue, not only in California, but especially in California, but all across this country. There's no question that people are struggling to pay the bills. And we are not as affluent a country as we certainly used to be, and maybe as we think we are. Because the fact is, is that there are a lot of people just like you who are trying to pay the bills. And, and I mean, you made some great points. I, I have to go because I'm running up on a break here. But uh, that was a great call, and, and you made some um, terrific points about what does it take to live, just live and survive and raise a family in California. Uh, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Uh, on the other side of the break, Governor Andrew Cuomo 
the New York governor, some thought, was aspiring to maybe run for president of the United States in 2020. He may have shot himself in the foot with one simple line this past week. You will hear that. And also, Nancy Pelosi, a major newspaper in California that says she needs to forget about being the speaker. And why? I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. Back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Out where the river broke, the bloodwood and the desert oak. Nancy Pelosi, the House Minority Leader, got some not so good news this past week. A major newspaper in California says it's time for her to forget about being speaker. We will get to that, tell you why they think that in just a moment. Not what she needs. She's been a little bit of rocky ground in Washington, D.C. for some time now, and the tide may be turning. We'll see. Uh, This is Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us here. The phone number is 916-921-1530, We do this show every Saturday from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the evening. And we take a look back at some of the big stories. We play some of the audio clips that maybe you did not see or hear on your local newscast or a national newscast, give you a perspective of the events that took place this week that maybe didn't make the the headlines in the mainstream news, uh, that maybe gives you a different view, a different perspective on what's transpiring in our country, in our world. And with that, leads us nicely into this next audio clip. Don't know if you heard this, don't know if you saw this, but he is paying a dear price for this. This is uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and he said in a speech this past week, and I'm not making it up, he said America was never that great, and if you don't believe me, here it is in his own words. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. We're not going to make America, well, let's see. you know what, instead of me paraphrasing it, Let's just, can we roll that up one more time? Let, now, just take a listen nice and closely, because he did say what you thought he said he said. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. It was never that great. America was never that great. Well, you can imagine how they've been backpedaling on that one. More on that in just a second. I, 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 I'm almost at, I'm at a loss of words to, to understand how anybody could say something like that when you look back at the history of this country. And it has been identified as one of the greatest nations in the history of the planet. Okay, in, in, in the last century, just think of the accomplishments of this country. The Industrial Revolution, major victories World War I, World War II, becoming the world's top economic power in the 1950s and 1960s. And it's carried on since then. Winning the Cold War against the Soviet Union. World supremacy in the high-tech world. Take a drive through Silicon Valley. See what's been accomplished by Apple and Google and Microsoft. Let's go, I mean, we can go right on down the line. And then think of all the families and immigrants who have come to this country and built great businesses because this is the place that they identified where dreams can come true. And Mario Cuomo, that was his father, Andrew Cuomo comes out and says it was never that great. So, let's play the, the second clip from that speech. Here's how Cuomo said that America will achieve greatness in his estimation. We have not reached greatness. 
We will reach greatness when every American is fully engaged. What does that mean? I mean, that's a, one of those huh moments. What are, when every American is engaged, we will not achieve greatness until every American is fully engaged. As if Americans are not engaged? I mean, as if Americans don't care about this country, that they're not getting up and going to work and they're paying the bills and they're sending the kids to school and they're working as hard as they can and they're going to soccer games and they're coaching Little League and they're paying taxes and they're voting and they're not engaged? I, I just, I don't know what world this guy's living in. And so he, he came back out and subsequently said, well, no, 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 America, it, it's great and it's, it's all it's all okay. I was misunderstood. That might that might have shot the, his hopes for running for president. I mean that that one sound. Can you imagine the commercials from that one line? You run that spot maybe a week, and his poll numbers drop ten points, guaranteed. <laughs> no hope. So Nancy Pelosi didn't like getting this word. The Sacramento Bee editorial board, not necessarily a right-leaning group, is now urging House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi to declare that she will not seek to become House Speaker should the Democrats take the House in November's midterm elections. The editorial was titled, Dear Nancy Pelosi, It's Not About You, It's About Your Party and Country. Forget Being Speaker. The editorial board said that the Republican Party is clearly the party of President Trump and the Democratic Party cannot be seen as the party of Pelosi and still win in November. This is troubling for Pelosi when she has lost the Sacramento Bee's editorial board. She is, after all, a Californian. And when California's, one of their representatives, is the Speaker of the House, Californians can benefit greatly from legislation passed in Washington, D.C. because that position holds a great deal of power. The editorial went on to say that 45 Democratic nominees and 10 incumbents have publicly said they will not support Pelosi for Speaker. She's in trouble, and she's been in trouble, and it's not getting better for her. This is a quote from the editorial board from the Sacramento Bee. With her three decades in Congress, Pelosi can still have a voice advocating for California and the issues she cares about. The editorial continued to say, but if she truly believes what she says about how important it is for Democrats to retake the House so they can stop Trump, she must accept that it cannot be with her as Speaker. How about them apples? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. What do you think is going to happen in November? Are the Democrats going to take back the House? And if they take back the House, where will Nancy Pelosi be? Will she be the Speaker or not? How do you read what's going to happen here in November? The big blue wave or will there be a red wave? Some of the polling recently has indicated that Democrats are getting some traction. But then again, let's remember... In 2016, a lot of the polls missed it. They missed. They just did not call that at all. So it's time for us to uh, take a quick break, and we'll be back on the other side. 
KFBK Weekend Live News and Analysis on News Radio KFBK. Sun's going to be going down here pretty soon. Cooling down out there at 635 on a day that was 100 degrees. Not many more of those left, though, folks. We're mid-August, and it's not long now, and then that beautiful fall season hits us. Man, is I, how good is fall? Just love the weather. This is a Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us here on KFBK, 1530 AM, 93.1 FM. Phone number 916-921-1530 or 1-800-834-1530. Democratic New York congressional candidate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You might know who she is. She's been a bit of a surprise and a media darling. She won a primary in New York in a race for Congress. Many people didn't see it coming. She is very far left. Thinks there should be Medicare for all. Thinks there should be free college for everyone. Uh, When she's asked how this would happen, uh, how it could come about, she can't really explain it. The economics don't really add up to her. She doesn't really know the business side of it. But it sounds good on paper. So... They've been parading her across the country, and she's become a bit of a media darling. She endorsed a number of very far left-leaning socialist-type candidates in, in races in the, the last week, and, and none of them did well. None of them won. Nonetheless, this is why she made news this past week. She decided to ban the media from her latest town hall event with constituents. She's the media darling, and she said to the media, you're not invited. This is a public event. It's called a listening tour. That's what they call it, a listening tour. Now, it's what it means is it's they're campaigning, but politicians like to call it a listening tour. It was the uh, 14th district of her district, uh, talking about immigration, health care, number of issues, and the Queen's Chronicle reported that uh, Ocasio-Cortez's campaign refused to allow any television or newspaper reporters into her latest, her latest event, in Corona Queens. Now the campaign spokesperson came out and said, ah, this is just a one-time event. We're, we're reevaluating. So a little bit of an oopsie there. I came across this and this was a story that broke this past week. And what a surprise this was for a local neighborhood. There was a member of ISIS, not just a member of a terrorist group, but this guy is accused of killing a police officer in Iraq, and he was living in a Sacramento neighborhood. The neighbors had no idea. How in the world does that happen? How does a guy like that slip through the cracks? Here's the backstory on this one. A suspected murderer and ISIS member now sits in the Sacramento County Jail and is awaiting his next court appearance in federal court. FBI agents searched a Sacramento apartment unit Wednesday where their 45-year-old Omar... Abdel Sadr Amin was living, arrested in connection with the killing of an Iraqi police officer. That's a bad dude. Amin had settled in Sacramento as a refugee and attempted to gain legal status in the United States. He was arrested at the Eastern Villa Apartments in Sacramento County. Now, again, how does this how does this guy slip through the cracks? I'm going to give you an, uh, the number of agencies that are in charge of reviewing people before they're allowed to, to be in this country in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to play for you a couple of audio clips. Uh, this is from KCRA. They went out and they, they spoke to the neighbors 
who were living next to this guy, and a member of ISIS, a terrorist organization, accused of killing a police officer, and they had no idea. So this is neighbor Deborah Talbot, and she told KCRA that she thought that Amin was pleasant. He always seemed to be friendly, nodded his head, said hello, kind of downcast, looked at the ground, um, you know, but yet nice. She thought he was nice. He's a member of ISIS, and she had no idea. A terrorist group. So these cases, okay, remember, he's a refugee, and he was actually trying to obtain legal status to live in this country. He was going through the steps, the procedures. So he's in the system trying to become a permanent resident here in, in the United States, in Sacramento. But in order for him to get the refugee status, he has to get approval. And there are a number of steps, a number of agencies. And here they are. Here's the list of the agencies that take a look at cases like this. They're screened by the Department of Defense, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and other agencies. So we listed three specific, and there are others. And somehow this guy, Amin, just slipped through the cracks. And the neighbors didn't even know. Until the police showed up. Or the sheriff's deputies. Or all the investigators showed up. Now, one more quick audio bite. This is from Talbot. She also said that Amin was helpful, actually, as a neighbor. I noticed that he seemed to be very helpful around the complex. Uh, working on cars a lot and, and doing things of that nature. Isn't that something? That uh, That's just uh, amazing to me. Um, and it's, fright it's frightening that uh, uh, you know, a known member of ISIS could be living in one of our neighborhoods right in our community here. And the neighbors think that he's a nice guy and have no idea of his past as a member not only of ISIS but accused of killing a police officer in Iraq. That happened this past week. Also, want to turn our attention to, because we talked a little bit off the top about President Trump uh, revoking the security clearance for former CIA director John Brennan. And there's now a move afoot within the Republican Party, within members of the Republican Party, to shift this investigation if they can. Now remember, Manafort is on trial. The jury has deliberated for two days. They went home, they're at home this weekend, and they resumed deliberations this Monday. The judge in the case indicated on Friday he's received threats. Judge Ellis has received threats, and he is concerned for the safety of Manafort. He's concerned for the safety of the jurors. And he said this trial has taken tension in the courtroom to a whole new level. And what we're seeing now from the Trump administration and its allies, is there a new move afoot to start investigating the investigators? They're saying, wait a second. We have heard this from Trump, by the way, for many, many weeks, calling this a witch hunt. And now they are starting to float the idea of launching an investigation into the investigators. Some of the main players that you have heard time and again who were involved in this campaign, finance, Russia, 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 collusion, investigation. And one of those is Senator Lindsey Graham. And this week, we're going to play a couple of audio clips from him right now. He called for a special investigation. So Lindsey Graham, the senator, is doing an interview with Fox News. And he says, in his estimation, that Jim Brennan, the former director, 
has gone over the line. You can be the former CIA director and a critic of the president. You just can't lead the resistance movement at the same time. If you look at CIA policy about how a former director should act, he is uh, well over the line. John Brennan was well over the line as the former CIA director. He's become an analyst, I believe it is, for CNN. He had his security clearance pulled. And Graham thinks that there needs to be more investigation into what he did. Wondering if whether or not this was orchestrated by Brennan or some of his allies within the CIA and FBI. So, Senator Lindsey Graham is now calling a special, he's calling for a special counsel investigation into these agencies. Well, number one, I'm tired of getting on TV telling you all the bad things. I want somebody who's not a politician. Uh, let's put the shoe on the other foot. What do you think Democrats would be saying if a Republican, uh, if the RNC hired a former British agent to go to Russia to get Clinton dirt on Clinton? Do you think they'd be wanting to look at whether or not there was a crime if a FISA warrant was issued based on a document prepared by a, for, a foreign agent that's a bunch of political garbage? Turning the tables. What if the shoe was on the other foot? Lindsey Graham is putting that out there and floating that publicly. What if the shoe was on the other foot? Would there be a call for a special investigation into the investigators? Time now is 644-916-921-1530, What do you think? Is this ever going to happen? Ever. Where does this end? What about uh, Mueller's investigation? Is it going to wrap up by the election in November? That's what the Trump administration is calling for. Could there be an investigation into Mueller or Brennan or some of the other players? Finally, Senator Graham says he wants to know why the investigation into the Hillary Clinton email scandal was dropped so quickly. There are people sitting in jail doing far less than her. So I want somebody to look at how the, the Clinton email investigation was conducted, why it was dismissed, and the FISA warrant. Every American should be concerned about the rule of law. And I think the FISA warrant process here was horribly abused and maybe in a criminal fashion. Where does this go? What's the end game? 916-921-1530, My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. Time for a quick break. We're back on the other side. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Senator Lindsey Graham is one of the voices in Washington, D.C., now calling for a special counsel investigation into the investigators, the people who have launched the investigation into President Trump, campaigns, his campaign, and members of his campaign. Michael from Colfax joins us right now on the line. Hi, Michael. How are you tonight? I'm uh, fine, Sam. Um, glad to hear you're getting so many calls. I think that's really cool. And okay. I think that people are understanding how good you are is really cool. Thank you very much, it, Michael. It, well, it's, 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 you're welcome. Um, I'm reading this book called The Russian Hoax. Yeah, who wrote that? That is Greg Jarrett. He's yes. a commentator or on uh, Fox News. Yeah, he worked for a long time on that book, I understand. Well, I'll tell you what, this thing is well documented. Mm -hmm. You write a couple of sentences and he has a footnote. You can go back to the back of the book and see it. I think it has something like uh, 300, I may be wrong on that, but 300, give or take, uh, footnotes at the back of the book. If you want your eyes uh, opened Mm -hmm. as to the corruption, a couple weeks ago I called and told you that I, I had been a 
a uh, Democrat for over 36 years, mm-hmm. and how corrupt the party had gotten. You read this book, you will have no doubt in how corrupt, so, unfortunately. My, Michael, I, 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 actually, I actually heard him um, do an interview about the book, and, and if I'm not mistaken, in his book, he, is, he, he believes that uh, crimes were committed here by, by a number of people within the FBI and the, and the CIA. You read the book, and it's it's so well documented, you would have to be blind or a corrupt politician not to see it, see this corruption at the upper, upper level of the FBI. And I hate to say that because I'm former law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like it, and I am quite certain that there are many, many, very honest FBI agents at the lower levels who are sickened by what's happening, and I'm no great fan of the FBI either. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is in, in every group of people you have bad apples. It appears to me that the bad apples were all at the top of the FBI, very uh, motivated by politics and money. But you know, you need to read the book. You know really where, where where I, I I got particularly troubled was when uh, Trey Gowdy came out, and uh, he he's the congressman, of course, and, and his background is as a prosecutor. And init- uh, initially, when when some of these allegations were made that that the FBI and maybe members of the the CIA and other intelligence agencies were conspiring here in this investigation against Trump and his campaign, he uh, he was he was reluctant to jump on board. He he came out and said publicly, "Look, I just can't believe that." I've worked with these people uh-huh. in my career. Well, then he's done about a 180 within the past month or so because there were hearings that were held in front of his committee, and he saw some information, and he now is very concerned about what took place with Strzok and Lisa Page. And uh, you know we've played those sound bites on this show. And when Gowdy flipped, that's when, I, that's when my eyeballs opened. I thought, oh, there, there's, there's got to be some juicy nuggets in the information that he's, he's seen. Well, Sam, he may have read this book because I'm telling you, uh, it is very well documented. Oh, the other thing is, Brendan, you know, Brendan voted communist Yes. in the 60s and 70s. I don't think the guy has ever left his socialist base as far as the philosophies. In this country, we have the right to have that. Right. And I would, I would absolutely fight for anyone to be a registered communist. Mm-hmm. But when that that philosophy is going for the the overturning of this government, and it sure looks like it in this book. Not communists, but just the uh, the Clintons and all that. Holy cow! Man. Yeah, no, that's it's it's troubling. I mean, the notion of it alone is troubling, Michael. That someone would use their position of power and influence to try to somehow determine the outcome of a campaign. Uh, the public vote pushed aside. That that that's that is. Uh, as you said, it's it's a real problem. Hey, thanks for the yep. call. I, I really appreciate it. It's uh, good to hear from you again, Michael. Uh, and, and speaking of Michael, we have a, another Michael. This one is from Pollock Pines on this Saturday evening. Hi, Michael. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine, and thank you uh, for covering this subject. Uh, you, you know, I've been voting for a long time. I, I've been a, one of those individuals that I believe, you know, paying attention to civics is a individual responsibility. Uh, you know, to keep yourself informed. I, I read uh, most of the stuff from Real Clear Politics, and the reason why I go there is because it gives me an opportunity to read every side of an issue. Yeah, well. And and there, there you know, it, 
you know, to educate, you know, some of these millennials and out there that may not be aware of it. But during the infamous kitchen table talks, when Khrushchev pounded his shoe on the table and said, we will destroy you from within. Right. Now, the Russians have always, there's always been some form of propaganda meddling that they've always tried to push well, in my, our country. Yeah, no, Michael, let's just back up a second. Uh, not only has, has Russia been doing that to the United States, the United States has been doing that not just to Russia, but to other countries as well. Spying. And I said that, I said that to the screener. I mean, we, 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 we've done it. I mean, Chinese, the Chinese do it. I mean, right. it's pretty much a given that people are going to meddle in other countries' stuff, including us. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, and, and, and you know that is just a given, right? Okay? Right, right. And 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 what's what's so fascinating to me is the way that this this notion is being treated now as if as if it's some big surprise. I mean, this has been going on forever, for forever. And and, and you know, in my mind, I, I I you know I happen to be in a special position where one of my best friends was head of security for Petraeus and Crocker in Iraq. In the in the embassy. Now, this guy is a special ops guy, and I can tell you for a fact that overwhelming majority of special op guys, their boots on the ground, are fed up with the Brennans of this world. I mean, you know, and if you if if you were paying attention, how much of the weapons of mass destruction that Iraq was supposed to have did Brennan push? I mean, he was one of the main uh, uh, guys out there pushing these weapons of mass destruction in in Iraq before right. we went in, right? Right, 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 and right, and that was erroneous. And, and that was what about Benghazi? I, I mean, right. this guy, this guy is just a bad apple. Uh, I, I, you know, I think you know he's using it to monetize it for his own personal benefit in that, one way or the other. Well, that's I'd what I'd like to see his offshore accounts. Well, that's what President Trump is saying is that he was using the security clearance to gain information. Then he was turning around and he was being an expert advisor on CNN and obviously gaining personally, uh, you know, wealth. Obviously, being paid. Oh yeah, right. That's that's. Yeah. Yeah. And what's more distri- disturbing to me than Mr. Brennan? is a free press that seems to be complicit in this well, big lie. Uh, I mean, right, and right now, from my perspective, the collusion that I see going on happened to occur at the top of the CIA, and not the, you know, not the men and women that are pounding the pavement. We're talking upper echelon, some people in the, in the, in the, it, director's position, yes. so on and so forth, wanted a certain outcome in an election, and this was all orchestrated to try to make sure Hillary became president. Well, and Michael, when that backfired. Yeah, yeah. It, look, what you're saying, and I, I hear what you're saying. The problem is I'm, I'm actually running out of time, but you are capsulating what we are hearing from the Trump administration, and this is where they're going with I mean, what we're hearing from Lindsey Graham now, and we're hearing the drumbeat more often from President Trump, I don't think they're going to let up on this message. I really don't. Now, now whether it manifests itself in a special counsel uh, investigation, I can't say. But I think we're going to hear more of this. I really do. So. Sudden became a critic 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, that that should be an eye opener for everybody because Trey Gowdy's a pretty straight shooter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, listen, I'm, I'm I'm running out of time, Michael. Thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate the call. He had a lot of things to say. Obviously, he does a lot of reading on this topic and feels very passionate about it. Uh, my name is Sam Shane. This is a weekend live. We're here every Saturday evening from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Love for you to join us next Saturday. We will be here. Hope you are too. And have yourselves a great weekend and a great week. And we will talk with you later. <laughs>